0: Let me invite your attention again to Second Samuel chapter 9. I'm super excited about this message about the grace of God and the kindness of God. It was early morning one day. Angie and I were staying at a hotel, and we got up early that morning. We go down to the hotel restaurant to have breakfast. We were the first guests there that morning. And we walked into the restaurant, and there was a young lady who met us, and she did something that most people never do. She asked us our names, and I said, My name's Ronnie, and this is my wife Angie. And I said, By the way, what's your name? And she said, My name is Wendy. And so Wendy took us to our seats and I, I just said to her, I said, Wendy, are you from here? And she said, I've lived here all of my life. And, and then I said this to her, I said, Wendy, you've got an early morning job. And she says, well, I work here in the mornings and I work somewhere else at night. And I said, Wendy, why do you put so many hours in? And then she talked about, she said, I'm just trying to make it week to week. And then as we got to know Wendy a little bit more in her story, she was a mother. She talked about loving her kids. And then Wendy talked about going through recently a painful divorce in her life. And she did not know who we were. She just knew our names. She didn't know I was a pastor and a preacher. And so I said to her again, lived here all your life. You work here in the morning, somewhere else at night. You love your kids. You've just been through a painful divorce. And, and then I said this to her. I said, are you involved in a church anywhere in the area here? And again, you, you just can't script this, but here's what she said. She says, I've not been involved in a church in quite some time. And Then she said this, and I'm definitely not a Baptist. And so I just paused for a moment. and I said, Wendy, your statement would say this to me. Somewhere in your past, you've been wounded and hurt at a Baptist church. Is that correct? And she said, actually, it is. And so I continued to talk to her. And, and then I talked to her about her personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And she talked about a time in her life that she came to Christ. She turned from her sin and put her trust in him. She was baptized as a believer in Christ. But again, just wounded and hurt at a church. And she hadn't been to church in a long time. And as Angie and I sat there that morning for breakfast, there was no one else in the restaurant but us. Wendy had talked about just the struggles of life, trying to make it week to week. The Holy Spirit moved upon us in that restaurant that morning, and and ultimately led us to say, I want you to do an act of kindness to Wendy that will glorify me and not you. And before we left that morning, Wendy came back to the table, and and we had a great conversation with her. And we said, Wendy, the Holy Spirit is leading us to show you an act of kindness this morning. And it's meant to glorify him because he's been good to us. And we want to show kindness to you. And we gave her a gift that morning that glorified the Lord. And Wendy stood there at our table with tears streaming down her face. And she was overwhelmed by an act of kindness to her life. Now, I want to ask you a couple of questions as you worship with us. When's the last time another person showed kindness to you in your life? And then let me ask you a second question. When's the last time you showed kindness to another person in life? As I had dinner with the pastor search committee this past week, and as we we're recounting the last number of months being your pastor, we just said to them, and I want to say to you as a church family, I just want to thank God for the grace and the kindness you have shown to Angie and me as your pastor and pastor's wife. There's something powerful about receiving grace and kindness. One of my favorite passages in the Bible comes out of Acts chapter 11. And in this story, God is moving in a city called Antioch And the Bible says they sent Barnabas to Antioch to see what was going on. And the text says in Acts chapter 11, verse 23, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. I love to see the grace of God in action. His grace is still amazing. Now, as you and I think about the grace of God, look at your outline. Why is grace, God's grace, amazing? I've given you these three reasons. I want you to understand because it's going to drive this message, even on mothers today. But why is God's grace amazing? Number one, it saves us. You and I are not saved by good deeds or religious duties or church affiliation. We are saved by the grace of God. In fact, Paul said to the believers in Ephesus, he made this statement to them, and he said, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Grace is amazing because grace saves you and me, makes us right with God, gives us the assurance that we're going to go to heaven. So I just encourage you today, make sure in your life you have experienced the grace of God. Know that you're saved, not by good works, but by the grace of God. Grace saves us. That's why it's amazing. Number two, grace equips us. So we think about Paul, and he said to his young protege, Timothy, in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul knew this, and in order for Timothy to pastor and lead in ministry, he needed the grace of God in his life. The only way you and I can serve and do what God calls us to do is because we have experienced the grace of God. Again, with Christ, we can do all things. Apart from him, we can do nothing. It is the grace of God. Number three, grace sustains us. I go back to another passage in the life of the Apostle Paul. We all go through storms. We all go through trials and difficulties. Paul said this in Second Corinthians chapter 12, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited, three times he said, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, and here's the word for you and me today, my grace is sufficient for you. And so I just hope you know on this Mother's Day weekend, when you go through adversities and storms and life is difficult, the way you can stain through those, even thrive through those, is because of the grace of God. And so as a pastor... I love, like Barnabas saw in Antioch, I love to see the grace of God. I love to see people being saved. I love to see people serving. I love to see people sustained through the storms and trials of life because his grace is still amazing. There was one time in my life I I saw the grace of God in such a personal, powerful way. I was leading a mission team to Russia. And so we were in Russia doing ministry, had a great mission team, great pastor, great church we were serving with. And so on this particular trip, there was a businessman with us. He had done a lot of global travel, and he wanted to buy the church we were going to be serving with a new van. They were doing ministry to kids in orphaned areas, and they needed a van, so he had the financial means. He was going to buy them a brand-new passenger van and give it to them. Well, we get into Russia, and he finds a dealership, and he puts down the money, and he buys them this nine-passenger brand-new van. And so one morning, we were going to get up, and we were going to go to an area where kids were at. We were going to be ministering to them. So we get up that morning. We're going to gather around the van. We're going to pray. But the businessman gets up that morning and is suffering from vertigo, and he can't make the trip that morning. He's the guy that has the international driver's license. So we're standing around the van, the mission team, the pastor, the people in Russia, and myself. We're standing around there. The Russians are not willing to drive the van because they didn't have the right license to drive a non-passenger van at that point. So we had an appointment to be at this place, and they're saying someone needs to drive the van. Who's going to do it? No one would drive the van. Somewhere in the conversation, it switched over to me and said, why don't you drive the van? And I said, well, I'm not sure, I have a driver's license from Kentucky. And so after some pressure and a weakness in my life, I agreed to say, you guys get in the van, I'm going to drive. And so I get in in the driver's seat, the pastor gets in the passenger seat, he's my translator as well, the rest of the mission team get in the van, we're driving down the road, going to this kid's area, 30 minutes into the trip or so, my worst nightmare happened, Russian police pulled me over, so I pull off to the side of the road, there were two armed policemen who came to the driver's window and the passenger's window. And they're talking back and forth, and they're talking to the pastor and the translator. And he says, they want to see your driver's license. I said, what do you want me to do? I mean, it's a driver's license in Kentucky. He said, give him your license. So I recently got my billfold, pulled up my license, gave it to the officer who was at my window. He's looking at it. He calls his other officer over. They're standing in front of the van, and they're talking about the driver's license. Finally, he comes back to my window, asks another question, and the translator and the pastor says he wants to know, do you have a D classification on your license? And I said, well, I do have a D on there. My middle name starts with D, so I do have a D on there. And he said, can you show it to the officer? So I showed it to the officer because in Russia, to drive that kind of van, you needed a D classification on your license. So I showed him, again, my middle name, pointed out the D there. They're talking about that. Finally, he asked another question, and the officer said, is that universal? And so the translator said, he wants to know, is that D universal? I said, it's everywhere I go. (laughs) And so finally, he looked at it, and he said, thank you very much. You're free to go. And as we pulled away from that experience, simply a middle name that started with D that worked in Russia, we pulled away the mission team, but especially me said, we just saw the grace of God in action this morning. The grace of God is amazing. His grace is life changing. Now, as we look at this story in second Samuel chapter nine, I want to ask you these three questions. What does it mean to show kindness? Kindness. As you think about kindness, we live in a day where kindness needs to be evident. So in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we see this story between David and Mephibosheth. David is wanting to show kindness, as the Bible says here. David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? It gets a little deeper than that in this story because he said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? So in one, he's talking about kindness. The other end, the kindness of God. You have to understand about David and Saul and Jonathan. David and Saul had this incredible personal relationship. Saul did not like David. Saul was jealous of David, tried to kill him. But David had kindness to Saul and his family. Here's why. David had received the kindness and the grace of God. And when you receive the kindness and the grace of God, you want to be kind and gracious to other people. So David, in this sense, when the word kindness is used. Here's what it means. He wanted to extend grace to someone in Saul's family for Jonathan's sake. That's what it means to extend grace or kindness. You want to give grace. What is grace? It is God's unmerited favor, something that we need but we do not deserve. David wanted to show kindness and grace to someone in Saul's family. Look at the second question. Why was Mephibosheth crippled in both feet? The Bible gives insight here, and it says that, that he is crippled in his feet. Why was that the case? We go back, and again, let the Bible speak in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Here's what the Bible says here. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Here's the understanding of that. There was a time where they maybe thought they were going to lose their lives. They were fearful. They fled in haste. Mephibosheth fell. His feet were injured. And medical practice then, not the same as medical practice today, the bones in his feet never did heal right. He was crippled in his feet the rest of his life. Happened again at five years of age, but crippled all of his life. That's the story there. Now look at the third question. Is grace hard to receive? Back to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Imagine the scene again, David is king, he's asking a question, is there anyone, and finally the word comes to say there is someone, he's in Lodabar, his name is Mephibosheth, but he's crippled in both his feet. He is in Lodabar because he's really fearful for his life, even as a grown man he's fearful because he didn't know what David might do to him because of what Saul tried to do to David. So imagine the scenario, one day Mephibosheth is in Lodabar, we'll talk more about that in just a moment, but he is there and there's a knock at the door, and Mephibosheth goes to the door and a servant of David is there and says to him, David the king wants to see you. Can you imagine what Mephibosheth must have felt? How his heart must have raced. His palms may have been sweaty. Why does David want to see me? Finally, he makes his way to David. He's standing before David. And David calls him by his name, says Mephibosheth. David knew him. And David had a conversation with him and said, Mephibosheth, you don't have anything to be afraid about. I'm not going to harm you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to show you grace and kindness because that's who God has been in my life. Jonathan, very special person in my life. I want to honor that relationship with him. I'm going to show you kindness and grace in your life. And Mephibosheth, you're no longer going to have to live at Lodabar. You're going to live here and you're going to have a seat at my table the rest of your life. Can you imagine hearing those words from the king? Mephibosheth was just overwhelmed. And he said to him, he was bowing down before David, paid him homage. And Mephibosheth, and he said to David, I am your servant. David said to him, do not fear. Again, there's that other command. For I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I'll restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. You shall eat at my table always. Mephibosheth, you'll have a place at my table for the rest of your life. And then here's what Mephibosheth said. He paid him homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? What in the world is Mephibosheth saying? As you go back to ancient Israel, dogs, animals were not treated like they are today. I read some research the other day that said a recent year, Americans spent $55 billion on their pets. That was not the case in ancient Israel. And when Mephibosheth said to David, why should you show regard to a dead dog such as I? What Mephibosheth was saying to King David was this, David, I am the lowest of the low. I've been living in Lodabar. Why would you show kindness to me? And because David had received kindness and the grace of God and other people, he was going to extend grace and kindness. If you want to be kind and gracious, you receive kindness and grace and you can give that as well. But for Mephibosheth, grace was hard for him to receive. I believe there are people watching. And grace for you is very, very difficult for you to receive. And here's why. When you think about saving grace, you look at saving grace from Almighty God to you. And it's hard for you to receive because you say this, receiving the grace of God can't be that easy. Because there's something in your mind that says you need to do something. You need to work. You need to earn it. It just can't be that easy. So you reject the grace of God. It's hard for you to receive. But I want you to know this. The grace of God is a free gift of God to you and to me. But understand, it's free to you and me, but it costs the Son of God his life. He died on the cross and shed his blood for you and me. It is a free gift to you and me, but as Paul said, you have been bought with a price, and that is the very life and the very blood of Jesus Christ for you and me. I just appeal to you today as you watch, do not reject the grace of God in your life. His saving grace is a gift to you. Receive that today. Saving grace is hard for many to receive. Also, equipping grace is hard for many people to understand. Uh, They sense God may be calling them to do something in ministry and to serve in some way. And they say no to God's call because they just do not understand God's equipping grace. You and I can never serve the Lord Jesus Christ on our own. Again, John 15. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, but with me, you can do all things. You and I need the grace of God to serve, but many people say no to the grace of God. Why? Because they do not understand the equipping grace of God, and so they just do not serve Jesus. I appeal to you that if he's calling you, surrender your life to him, serve him because of his equipping grace to you. Don't reject it, receive it. And then sustaining grace, many people go through storms, adversities, and trials, and they struggle through those. They run from God. When you look in the book of Acts and you see people going through storms and trials, they ran to the body of Christ. But we live in a day, many people face storms and trials. They run away from the people of God. But I just appeal to you again, every one of us will go through storms and trials. Make sure you understand the sustaining grace of God. My grace is sufficient for you. Run to him, run to God's people. Do not run away from him or away from the people of God. Allow his sustaining grace to change your life. And so as I think about this day, this Mother's Day weekend, here's what I know. I am saved because of the grace of God. I serve in ministry and serve as your pastor because of the grace of God. I have survived and even thrived in personal storms and ministry trials. Why? Because of the grace of God in my life. And the same can be true in your life. I just encourage you, show kindness, understand the life of Mephibosheth, but also realize grace is hard to receive, but trust him and receive his kindness and his grace in your life. And I want you to look at these other three truths that I've given you on the outline that's going to help us understand this text and the the application to you and me. Number one, grace shows God's faithfulness. Now, Now, I want to ask you a series of questions here for you to think through. First question, is God faithful? Second question, is God trustworthy? Third question, does God break promises? And here's what I want to say to you, and you know this. God is always faithful to you and me. God is always trustworthy to you and me, and God will never, never break a single promise to you and me. He is faithful. As you and I think about 2 Samuel 9, we understand the story between David and Jonathan. If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 20, you'll see the relationship between David and Jonathan. Very special relationship, very intimate relationship. And as you look at that, they use words in their relationship that we don't use in our day. For example, they talk about oaths and vows and covenants. Now, we talk about vows at weddings, but we don't talk about oaths and covenants very much in our day. The word of our day when it comes to relationships is contracts. And here's the difference between a covenant and a contract. A covenant in the Bible was based on trust. A contract in our day is based on distrust. And here's what I mean. We have a contract about everything. Why? Because I don't trust anybody. So I want you to sign this line, this contract, because I simply do not trust. And I want to make sure there's legal binding that you're going to do what you say. But when it comes to God, again, he's faithful. He's trustworthy. He never breaks a single promise. David wanted to be faithful to the covenant that he and Jonathan had. He understood the value of faithfulness and trustworthiness. And as you and I think about this story... Again, David reflecting back. Let me give you three words. They're not on the outline, but I want you to understand these. One is context. You've got to realize David was on the throne. People were singing his praises. He had won the affection of people. And David wanted to model character and integrity because he wanted to do what he promised. He wanted to be faithful to the covenant with Jonathan. That's why he wanted to show kindness and grace to someone in Jonathan's family. The context was right. He had a flashback. The flashback was the relationship between David and Jonathan, how Jonathan had been so kind to him in his life and protected him, and David wanted to honor that. Let me ask you, can you look back in your life and name the people who have showed kindness and grace to you in your life? You would not be where you are today if it wasn't how God used those people in your life. Family members, church members, pastors, classmates, people you know in life, showed you kindness and grace that blessed you in your life. That's what David is doing in relationship to Jonathan. And then there was a question. The question was, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul? Uh, David didn't say, is there anyone deserving? Is there anyone qualified? Is there anyone? And the anyone came down to Mephibosheth, this crippled man five years of age this crippled man david is going to show kindness and grace to mephibosheth is there anyone and i would just say to you as you look at your life is there anyone in your life over the next number of days weeks or months that you need to extend kindness and grace to in your life family member church member friend of yours somebody you've met in life that you just need to show kindness and grace to because God's been kind and gracious to you, so you need to be kind and gracious to another person. And I promise you this, when you think about the faithfulness of God, when you got up this morning, you experienced God's mercies and his faithfulness. Lamentations 3, great is thy faithfulness. And I don't know what the rest of the year holds for you or me, whether it be cancer, financial setbacks, job loss, whatever it may be, but I do know this, because of what the Bible says, the promises of God, no matter what you and I face the rest of this year, we can count on this. We can write this down. This is a foundation. God is going to be faithful to you and me. I promise you that. But when you look at the grace of God, it reveals and shows the faithfulness of God. Number two, grace reveals God's heart. As you think about this story in 2 Samuel 9, let me ask you this question. Have you ever sinned in your life before? And most of us would say, absolutely I have. All of us have sinned and we've come short of the glory of God. That's what Romans 3.23 says. And then I ask this question. If we've all sinned, we've disobeyed God and we've broken his heart, let me ask you, does he love sinful, messed up people? And the answer again is yes, he does. And that's good news for you and me. He loves sinful, messed up people. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. That's how much he loves you and me. He loves sinful, messed up people. David was going to show love. His heart was for someone who was broken and messed up in life, crippled in both his feet. Mephibosheth, he was going to show him grace and kindness. That was the heart of David, but it was the heart of God. Mephibosheth's life, he was crying out for help, but his life was going to be changed. He was going to have a brand new beginning in his life. On this Mother's Day weekend, that same truth can be to you. Yes, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, but God loves you and me. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son. You cry out to him for help, and this could be the weekend that God gives you a brand new start, a restart in life, and you can have a changed life and start all over again because of the grace and the kindness of God to you in your life. A number of years ago, I had a tooth problem, and... And just had a crack in a tooth, and I thought maybe it was a filling coming out. So I made an appointment to go see my dentist. And I go to the dentist, and I sit down in a chair. Less than a minute being in that chair, the dentist said, "You're going to need a root canal." And I said, "Are you serious? I mean, I've never had a root canal in my life." And, "Are you serious? you can't fix that? It's not a filling." He said, "You're going to have to have a root canal. I'm going to send you to a specialist in Cincinnati." And so I walked out of the office shaking my head and holding my wallet because I knew that wasn't going to be cheap. And so finally the appointment was made. Ange and I get up that morning. We go over to Cincinnati to the specialist, and I walk into the office, and there was a lady who was there at the reception desk, and, and evidently she was having a bad morning because she was not very kind to us. It was a difficult morning for her. And so I'm just saying, one, I, I, I've never had a root canal before. And I just said to her, I'm nervous. Uh, I've never done this before. I've heard people talk about pain. I don't like pain. And so I'm a little bit nervous. But also, I don't even know how much this is going to cost. And that's a big deal for me. And so I said, I don't know how much this is going to cost. How much, is the, how much is the procedure? I've got dental insurance. How much is that going to pay? And she just said to me, she said, whatever the cost and whatever the insurance pays, I'm not going to help you. You'll need to find that out on your own. And so I leave the office and I go back out to the car and I make a phone call to the insurance company and said, I'm here at the specialist getting ready for a root canal. How much is the insurance going to pay? And so they gave me some numbers and I walked back into the dental office again. Same lady there at the desk. I said something to her. Her attitude had not changed at all. And then I just said there, and here's what I said to her that morning. I said there, I said, ma'am, I'm just a little bit nervous. I've never had a root canal before, and I'm just a little nervous about this procedure. Also, I just don't know what it's going to cost. I don't really know how much the insurance is going to pay. She said a few more words, and then I just paused and just took a deep breath. And here's what I said to that lady that morning at the dental office. I said, ma'am, could you do me a favor? And she stopped for a moment, and she said, what is it? And I said, if you will be kind to me. This will be a much better experience for you and for me. Just show me kindness this morning. Got real quiet at that point. I left from there and went back and sat down in a chair beside Angie, and I said, you watch how God works. She's going to be in there working on me here just in a little bit. When lo and behold, they call my name, I go back and I get in the dental chair, get ready for this root canal, and guess who walks in the room? It's that lady. And she walked in and I'm I'm reclining back a little bit in this dental chair and she's standing before me and she walked up to me and she says, would you do me a favor? And I said, absolutely, if possible. And she said, would you grant me the opportunity for you and me to start over today? And she called me, she said her name. I said, my name is Ronnie. And she said, let's start over. And we started over and she said, I just want to say thank you to you I've had a very rough morning and you taught me a valuable lesson this morning. I just said, I just needed kindness today. And then we had a great relationship together, got the root canal done. Sometimes we just need kindness, a start, a do-over to start again. That's what Mephibosheth experienced, but David showed his heart just a chance to start again. Look at number three, grace grace unleashes God's blessings. Let me ask you this question. Is, Is God generous or stingy well you and i know the answer to that question our god is not stingy he is generous you look in the bible and you see in philippians four nineteen, paul said what my god will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in christ jesus paul said to the believers in ephesus what did he say he said god would do immeasurably more than you can ask think or imagine that's just who he is John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life that shouts the generosity of God and as you and I look at David and Mephibosheth in the story it is shouting the blessings and the generosity of God's servant but it's shouting the generosity of the heavenly father now understand this scene David's palace And I love to think about this because here again, it's time for dinner. Uh, David's had a conversation with Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth says, I'm a dead dog. And David said, yeah, you may be a dead dog, but you're going to have a seat at my table, a reserve seat for the rest of your life because I'm going to show you grace and kindness. Can you imagine the scene when it was dinner time? David is at the table. And then over and around the table, there was Amnon who was there, Tamar who was there, children of David. Solomon came in from the study. He had been reading books. He was a bookworm. He came in, took his seat at the table. Absalom one of David's sons who was a GQ type guy standing in front of the mirror looking at himself grooming himself he steps out and he comes and gets his seat at the table so David and his kids are sitting around the table and then I imagine this all of a sudden they heard the clump of feet coming toward the dining room table and guess who's coming to take a seat it's that old dead dog gets Mephibosheth he's been promised a reserve seat at David's table for the rest of his life And the clump of feet, sound is coming, and Mephibosheth comes, and he takes a seat at David's table every day for the rest of his life. That's the grace and kindness of God. That's the blessings of God. Now you fast forward just a little bit. Revelation 19, one day the Bible talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. In that experience, David's not going to be sitting at the head of the table, but Jesus is the Son of God and Savior of the world, our Savior, our Lord, our best friend. Sitting around the table are going to be saints throughout the ages. Sitting around the table are believing loved ones who are in heaven today. And then guess what happens? Those of us who know Christ and have experienced his grace and kindness, we get a seat at the table as well. And we get a seat at the table not because of human effort, but because of amazing grace. That's what's so exciting about grace. His grace is still amazing. So on this Mother's Day weekend, if you need the saving grace of God, you need the equipping grace of God, or you need the sustaining grace of God, this Mother's Day weekend, receive his grace and let him change your life because he's faithful, his heart is gracious, and he wants to bless you. If you'll comment to us or email us, we would love to help you experience saving grace, equipping grace, sustaining grace, because he is graceful. He is kind. We want to be graceful. We want to be kind. We would love to pray for you and minister to you. His grace is still amazing and will change your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace, saving grace, equipping grace, sustaining grace thank you for the story of David and Mephibosheth. And I pray for fathers and mothers and kids that they will show grace and kindness this weekend and people will be saved. People will be equipped and people will sustain some of the most difficult periods of life because your grace is still amazing. And I pray this in Jesus name. Amen.